What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. Today, we have the honor, the pleasure, of having Dr. Jennifer Polano here with us. How are you? I am well, How are you? I am doing great. So... We know not a ton about each other, which I love because I'm about to find out a lot, hopefully. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be good. So um, maybe let's start off with just, I think, starting off kind of where you are now, what kind of practice you have, and then maybe a little bit of the journey, which I think would be really interesting of how you ended up in the practice that you are now. Okay. So, um, I'm a family physician. I have a small solo concierge family practice in Mount Pleasant. Uh, my office is on Mathis Ferry Road and it's called Pulano Family Medicine. I've been open for about 13 years and it's really, it's, it's a fabulous business model and a, and a beautiful practice. I've been in the space. Yeah. It is beautiful. You got Thank really you. nice people. It's very welcoming mm-hmm. and warm. Thank you. Well, you know, I needed to create that so that I wanted to go to work again. <laughs> there's the there's I the segue into the story. Yeah, to come to work every day. Yep, and feel good about being there and have a uh, right a sense of um, of belonging and a purpose. And what's great is when the patient walks in, when a new patient walks in and says, "Oh, I feel better already." So. It's a therapeutic environment for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think that's right. very, very important. We just, as you could see, our clinic is newly revamped. Fantastic. Yes. Right. A special space. And I think your environment just matters as right. far as health. So maybe even like, let's back up even more. Like, when did you even sure. decide to become a doctor? Like, how did that come oh, I about? I was 15 years old. Really? And taking biology in high school. Okay. And I just said, I want to be a doctor. And I'm the only physician in my little high school graduating class. Where did you uh, graduate from if it was small? I grew up in Fredonia, New York, which is uh, about an hour south of Buffalo, southwest of Buffalo. So I'm on Lake Erie. I grew up right there on Lake Ooh, Erie. Ooh, it's cold over Lake there. Lake affects yeah. snow. And, mm-hmm, yes. So s- I'm going back for my 40th high school reunion in July. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That ought to be fun. Yeah, I may be um, driving the furthest, so we'll see. Oh wow, you're gonna drive all the way up there? Wow, no. Okay, (laughs) I was about to say I did that drive. Traveling, yeah. Okay. Traveling the furthest. Uh, Okay, gotcha. That'll be cool. So you decided to be a doctor that early, right? Right. And then just saw it through, like no changes. Just like, man, this is. I know this is what I want to do. You know. I I. So I went to Cornell. I was an undergrad at Cornell. I was a bio major. And, you know, that was really hard. And um, I 
realized after undergrad that I should probably beef beef up my resume mm -hmm. a little bit. And, um, and so I did a two-year master's program, and also in bio, and then I went to DO school. So I'm an osteopathic physician. I went to the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, and um, I got a Navy scholarship to medical school. Okay. So between medical school and residency here at MUSC, that's how I got to MUSC, went to, or how I came to Charleston, so I went to MUSC as a mm -hmm. resident in family medicine. But between med school and residency, I spent uh, four years on active duty mm -hmm. in the Navy. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So I'm an old salt. So, and I think that really helped um, broaden my training yeah that was great training to be a primary care physician to, to be a general medical officer on a ship <laughs> you're on a and ship a for clinic. yeah i was on a ship for two years wow mm -hmm. i mean stationed here in yep. charleston at the weapon the naval weapons station mm -hmm. so i would i was living west ashley at the time so i would drive you know to the ship every day and drive drive home at night we went out to sea periodically but not a whole lot we were at uh, a sub uh, tender. We were submarine tender. So our mission was to tend to the subs also stationed at the weapons station. So our mission was at home, not at sea. Okay. So that was cool. Yeah. So you're yeah. not, you know, on, I'm yeah. picturing you on a battleship for two years. No, no. Never but, hitting but land. I did go to Guam and I was gone for four months. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jennifer's big adventure. Yes. Went to Guam, crossed the equator, went through the uh, Panama Canal. Oh. Across the With the lock system and everything? With the lock system. How cool right. is that? I've seen right. like videos on YouTube. It looks awesome. It's, it is awesome. And, you know, cross the international dateline. So I have all these certificates now. So I don't know if you know about those. Mm -mm. You're in the military and you go through the Panama Canal, you become a ditch witch. And when you go over the equator, you, you're a shellback. Anyway. So, <laughs> really cool so, though. Yes, yeah, it was really. I mean, I'll never do those things again. Probably mm -hmm. not in that you know yeah. that way. So it was very cool. It was a great education for me, and then I transitioned out of the Navy and became a family medicine resident at MUSC. Very cool. What do you think are some takeaways? I mean, you say you learned a lot in the Navy, right? And mm -hmm. so I'm curious as to. Obviously, there's a certain skill set involved. And, you know, my wife's from military family. Okay. So I don't know a ton. Right. I, you know, right. my family, definitely not military. Right. We're from Switzerland. Well, mine wasn't either, so yeah. Right. So this was uh, news to me. Right, right. So, I mean, was it just the, the that well, kind so of background? When, or what, what, what? Well, so when you're on a ship, for example, when you're the ship doctor, I felt like I was the ship's mom. Right? So the average age sailor is 19. And there were about 1,200 people on board that ship. Mm -hmm. So they were mostly very young folks, men and women. And then there were older um, officers. And um, so I did a variety of things from, uh, you know, just sort of acute care, um, colds, flus, backaches, headaches, pap smears, shots, you know, stitches to, you know, some crisis management. Like we actually trained for um, 
nu- you know, we had nuclear mm-hmm. drills and radiation spill drills and how would we manage that if we um, had a spill and so you were basically it was fascinating. Yeah, we trained in the event that we had to do a uh, appendectomy or some kind of a belly surgery at sea. Thank God I didn't have to do that. Yep. But um, we did. But you he, know how now? Well, I, I know how. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe. In theory. <laughs> but we did. Call, we did call a helicopter to come and take a couple people away. Oh so, wow! Let's see. While right. We were under underway, and they came and you know dropped the basket. It was a very. It was. Yeah. Seems like you really enjoyed that time, you know. Well, there was never a dull moment. Yep, yep. It seems so. like, and you can correct me maybe if I'm wrong, but like, I, I picture like a GP 30 years ago yes. being more like that, more yes. like a Swiss army knife. Yes. I can do surgery. I can That's triage. I'm not it. necessarily a gatekeeper, right? And right. you got those skills. So like somebody comes into right. your office, you're like, I can do everything you need me to do. I mean, of course I can refer out. But Absolutely. having that skill set of like, oh man, yeah, I've seen kind of right. a lot. Right, so I, it was good for me because I carried that into, um, you know, my future practice, but also coming to residency with some problem solving, decision making, leadership skills. That was good mm-hmm. as a resident. Mm-hmm. What would be? Let's let's compare the two. I'm really curious. So you're doing a residency and you're doing. Navy officer, right? Mm-hmm. Medical officer. Mm-hmm. And what were the contrasts between those two? Can you kind of like, I don't know if you can go back to that time, right? Because you have the kind of Swiss Army knife I pictured of general practitioner. And then you're well, doing residency. It had to be different, right? Of course. So um, I have to tell you, going it, leaving the Navy and going into residency was so... Um, easy for me. It was so easy because I had already been functioning independently as the medical department head. Yeah. So does it get more stressful than that? I bet. Then you know. Stressful. I couldn't wait to get out of the navy. But anyway, it was you know it was not yeah. And so to go back and become a student and and just just be expected. to study and and read and be on call and see patients and clinic. I don't know. I thought it was great. And so, yeah. So they made me chief resident. Yeah. <laughs> because. That leadership, I bet, goes a long yeah. way. Well, yeah. you have to be able to deal with a certain amount of nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's what being chief resident means, is that you're going to be somewhat organized and a liaison between your residents and staff people and have a tolerance for nonsense. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I picture you as yeah. a no-nonsense <laughs> lady. <laughs> well, hopefully I can be diplomatic as well. Yeah, right. Well, I think that's a big part of being a, a leader is that dichotomy right. of those two. Right. Okay, so you got your MUSC residency. Right. And then now you go be a... I got my first real job. Yep. Welcome at, to the real world. At uh, on Sullivan's Island, at yep. first family medicine. And what a great, again, a great training ground, you know, sort of an historic practice. Uh, and most people in Charleston, if you're from here, you know that name. You right. Know. So a good name, a beautiful um, location, and fantastic doctors who were really great mentors for me. So I was there for 10 years. Okay. And then you transition to transition. that practice you are now, correct? It, correct. Okay. Correct. And maybe give us some of the reasons you feel 
you know, I, I don't know if I like to use the word better, but like why your practice may have been different than a more right. of a traditional based practice. And I think it's really important too to, if you don't mind, kind of really define what concierge means for your practice specifically. Right. So, you know, in the traditional group family practice, I was seeing you know, just a ton of patients every day. I was always an hour behind at least. It was um, tough to feel like you were meeting the needs of your patients, but still meeting the requirements of, uh, of a practice, right? So you have a chart to complete, you have boxes to check, you have paperwork, you have prescriptions, you have... So anyway, it was, um, you know, it's daunting and it, and it remains daunting for, for everyone in primary care. And, um, uh, and so I, I did that for, for 10 years and then, uh, you know, was offered another opportunity and I really thought it was time because um, I just didn't feel like, a, like I was... Uh, my most effective you know I felt like I wasn't my most effective anymore to the extent that I would walk into the room into the exam room to see a patient because I usually work three or four exam rooms at one time and so I would walk in the poor patient had been waiting for god knows how long and you know they would look at me and say are you all right really yeah yeah Just because I was frantic I mean it's a frantic and so I would say you know not not great but where this is your Visit. That's probably got to be an aha like, moment. We need to talk about you. Yeah. Well, any yes. Yeah. So, um, so I was so fortunate in that when I transitioned from the one practice to the other, I was able to retain some of my patients who felt like they uh, valued their relationship with um, me, with their family doctor, enough to make a transition to a totally different business model. Um, I also transitioned with my nurse, and that was fabulous. So that they, you know, the patients had continuity not just with me, but also with Marcy, and um, we worked well together now for over twenty years. That's awesome. She, yeah, she knows what I need to do before yeah. I do. Yeah, I mean, I love that. <laughs> I love that story, and that's part of the reason that we kind of connected. You know, right. it's it's right. Very similar. I still say my new office, it's been 13 and a half years. Yeah. So that's How cool, cool is that to that's say? You walk cool. in. Yeah. <laughs> you walk in and be like, this is 13 years old, but it feels like a brand new office. And also it's mine. And so, uh, you know, they're, that's a mixed blessing, right? So now I'm the... Uh, uh, I'm the... Chief medical chief officer. medical <laughs> officer, but I'm also the lead custodian, the payroll director, you know, HR... Um, property management but you know what this is good because in my past life I had no control over my destiny right over my mm -hmm. nothing I didn't have any control so I felt like oh that's not very that didn't feel good to me after yeah. a while yeah you know um yeah. yeah, I mean, I have... So this is better. Yeah, I have, I'm friends with, you know, or know uh, a good number of physicians, and I, they say the same thing it's that you did. It's hard to be a doctor. It yeah. is very difficult right now. They definitely yeah. say that they um, are have a lot of difficulty treating that the way that they want to treat their sure. patients, you know, due to 
hospital regulations or a certain number of productivity hours that they need. And, but a lot of them feel like they probably just don't have a choice, right? Like there's not a lot of options out there. And definitely specialists, I think, are stuck. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be hard for us for some specialists to, you know, like someone who's a surgical subspecialty, how would they ever do this? Although I guess they did in the old the old days. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of psychiatrists are going to... Oh, it's well, huge. I think and, yeah. all a sort of just a fee-for-service. Yeah. Think dentists. Think uh, vets. Yes. Like, and, and a lot of those sure. are now becoming, unfortunately, right. more um, under the third-party payer system. Right. Which they're so, trying yeah. to fight, but... Yeah, no, interesting. I mean, again, to... And it used to feel really odd and uncomfortable for me to um, talk about my practice in the same uh, paragraph with, you know, financial stuff and payment models. And it doesn't anymore. (laughs) 13 years in. Well, Yeah. yeah, I mean, right. I used to sort of, yeah. Some of that's comfort level, you know? I think for us, just three years in. Well, here's the deal. I just never realized that I could... Um, I, that I could sell. So I didn't realize that I could do that. So I've never done that. I mean, I we don't get taught that? that no. PT school, med school? No. Why? You know, why? You know, that's... And, the, and, the, and, and I'm the product. So, um, you know, at first it was very uncomfortable it's not so much anymore um but it took some it's been a learning curve yeah 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 and and we could talk about this specific thing for hours but i think it is so important to talk about that because i think sales is a nasty word People have put some negative kind. They think used car salesmen, but for us in the medical field, if I can sell, let's call it a plan of care. Correct. And that plan of care is to get that person healthy. Why would I not improve my sales skills to get that person to buy in to the plan of care, which is going to get them healthy? Well, and also I think you do it with transparency. So, and you set expectate you manage their expectations Mm -hmm. right so they know what to expect from you as well as what will be expected of them and so it's really uh it actually can feel really clean yep yep i mean you are not saying hey i'm gonna see you one time and all of a sudden you're gonna lose 30 pounds and you're gonna feel amazing and you're gonna you know be able to run for five miles right right? where which is funny we're going down the rabbit hole but it's where i'm going is (laughs) you can see commercials on tv Mm -hmm. regularly let's call it pharmaceutical commercials let's call it supplements whatever that will claim that consistently we'll claim those things and that's okay but what we do we feel guilty for like it's just so interesting because i have conversations with other healthcare practitioners and i just like i don't understand i'm like I'm actually providing something that is a lifestyle change. Guess what? It's going to take six to months to a year to just start making these small changes, which will eventually hopefully affect you by 10% right. as opposed to what everything else you're seeing. And why, why should we feel guilty? I, I don't know. Again, it's a rabbit hole, right. but um, yeah, it's just interesting conversation well, to have. It's a, a whole paradigm shift from, 
you know, a very insurance-driven um, medical culture to uh, investment in yourself kind of a way of thinking. Yeah, right? I've, I don't know if you have seen it, but I have seen it. I mean, I was in the insurance-based world as well for most of my career, right? right? Um, nine years and only three years now in direct pay model. Right. And the results that I see here, purely anecdotal, but the results that I see here and the buy-in that I get here is a stark, stark contrast from what isn't I saw that, before. Isn't that neat? That's really interesting. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think you have accountability here that you're not getting elsewhere. And... Um, Right, they're really, they're investing in themselves. And um, so in my practice, I, I don't have, like yours, I think it attracts folks who are, who value their health and wellness and their relationship with their doctor and their nurse and they value someone, ans- a, a real life person answering the phone who knows them mm-hmm. and who can pull their chart right up. Um, and um, I, I mean, it's, it's folks who want to or need to stick with the $20 copay every six months are not going to come to me, right? Um, so it's not for, I, I think that was really hard for me too, is to realize that I could couldn't I was a Mother Teresa. I couldn't take care of everyone. Same. Yep. Because I think growing up and wanting to be a physician and wanting to be a good doctor and wanting to you want to take you think you need to take care of everyone. Yeah. You know, you think, well, I am here to you know, so it's a it's a it's a right. So I had to, to swore, learn how to take care of myself a bit. Yep. Along the way. Yep. Right. I've been trying to Which is still the heart my hardest job. Yeah. There's, a, there's an intelligent way to say it, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but you know, you are for anyone, but not for everyone, if that makes sense, correct. right? So we correct. can help anybody, but that right. person has to have a certain degree of, we can call it ownership of their health. Correct. We can call it an investment in their health. Right. That is a prerequisite. That's why we typically spend oh a lot of time on the phone with somebody before, and we've turned people away and sure. said... We're just not a good fit for you. We can sure. we understand that like you're not going to get the best result here, and that's that's okay. Right. You know, um, this is who we are, and this is what we do. But uh, we would recommend you go this route for now. You know. Right. And understanding that was tough for sure. You don't want to turn anybody away. I mean, I know. Why did you get right. into the medical field, like I mean, to help people? Right. Absolutely. So it's a yeah. It's a whole. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a good thing for sure. So you're now, you've been in practice. I still am amazed by that number, 13 years. You know, um, I think that's awesome. I mean, you were doing it. It was a thing. At least it was kind of a thing when I started. It's definitely way more of a thing now. I don't know if you've seen that trend as well, that people aren't as shocked when you say, hey, you know, you have to pay me directly. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And then you're going to go file a claim afterwards. I side eye, you know, and a lot of, you're one of those. Yeah, we people that just really didn't understand. They like were like, "Are you even a physical therapist? Like, what are you doing here?" You know, and I was like, right. "No, I am a licensed." You know, right. So and now definitely, it's not that conversation. It's more like people right. sometimes will say, "Oh man, I bet you're cash, aren't you?" You know what I mean? They just like, you know, they already like know because they they see that kind of level of of service. Which, again, 
I think it kind of sucks that that's what it is. It's good because it drives patients to our door, but it still does kind of suck that there has to be such a difference between what we do and how we do it compared to everything well, else. Well, right. So, you know, here's the thing. I don't know if I say it to, to make them feel better or to make myself feel better, but I do tell people, look, um, we provide a tremendously high and improved level of service to our patients, but our, actually my prices are really low. And one of the reasons for that is that almost all of my patients have insurance. So they do use their insurance when they see specialists or sure. if they go for yep. imaging tests or if, if they go for, you know, whatever. But um, but in my office, they will not use it. And um, so I'm trying not to price myself out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to strike a balance for these folks for whom it really seems to be working. At, you know, they're my people. Yeah. So, um, you know... It's, I think, other direct primary care docs and concierge docs and other models may be charging more, and that's that's fine. Um, but this is working well in this town so far. Yeah, I mean, like you said, your joy coming to your new office mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. So I would love to, again, I know there's still as, as prevalent, not even prevalent, as, as more well-known it is now, I still think people don't truly understand what they it is, don't. you know? And yeah. so maybe just... Um, also, I'm very curious, like, what does someone get at a direct primary okay, office? Okay, so in my practice... You know, walk us through, like, they walk in, right. new patient, what, what goes on there? Right, so, so first of all, we insist on, a, on an initial meet and greet visit, which is sort of cheesy, but I think really important. Because the patient then gets to meet us and get all of their questions asked and answered before committing to anything that may not really work for them. So this is free, the consultation? This is free meet and okay. greet. They've called the office or and or gone to our website. So they have some preliminary yep. information about and it's required it you works. said like you have everyone yeah, has I'm to not, i don't i don't accept a patient if i haven't had a meet and greet visit imagine if never mind go ahead yeah is that not amazing <laughs> it's amazing why wouldn't everybody do that but that's fine go right ahead so so uh but so he, because it's a weird thing that we do so i think it's important that the patient sees us and and knows that we're not you know uh, total weirdos but also I get to see them and I can tell within 30 seconds if it's a drug seeker who thinks that because they're paying me cash money I'm going to give them 100 Percocet every month that's not happening Oh, okay. And, yeah. And Is that a thing? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thing. Okay. That's too bad. Yeah. But that's a thing. Well, that's yep. real life in yep. 2019 yep. America. So I appreciate um, your candor. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Right. Or, you know, maybe they have a set of, of medical concerns that, you know, may, are not well suited to the practice. So we can kind of help them rethink that and, and maybe direct them elsewhere but anyway so they they call or go online contact us schedule their their no charge meet and greet we have a we do that and um and then they join the practice on uh, one of three plans silver gold or platinum silver is the plan that most people choose it is the the i call it the bargain basement plan and it's great for those patients the majority of whom have insurance 
Mm -hmm. Gold is for people who have no insurance or a super high deductible where they end up paying for everything anywhere. Yeah. So, Which is more prevalent now. We see it a lot more. More prevalent now. So yep. we have a lot of silver mm -hmm. patients and then a fair number of gold. Yep. Platinum is for the patient who is in a nursing home or bed bound and they need nursing home visits, home care, a lot of... Um, uh, coordination of care on the phone with family. Okay. Kind of so I have very few platinum patients. Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, patients who, and they get to ask, you know, so they ask me questions and I talk to them, get a feel for their history, their medical history, and then they either almost always join that day or they'll maybe need to talk to a spouse or, you know, uh, and they'll call back and let us know. Most people join. Most people join. Very few people leave thinking, man, I, I'd I hate to go yeah. there. Most people join the practice because, right. see, they were referred, because I don't advertise. Yep. So they were referred by someone who already loves the practice. So a spouse, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, you know, someone who is already. A patient of the practice or a fan of the practice so they had some insight and some guidance and um, and then rarely but it does happen I will not accept a patient and I'll tell them uh, I think using the exact words that you used five minutes ago gosh I just don't think we're a good fit mm -hmm. but thank you for your interest in my practice and I help them to maybe consider some other options doesn't happen very often. Right. It's usually that drug-seeking patient. Yep. yep. So I don't do any chronic pain management with regards to uh, narcotics. Yep. So they need, uh, you know, chronic pain folks. Yep. And um, I don't deliver babies. And uh, that's it. I do everything else. Do everything else. <laughs> I love it. Appendectomies by sea. You know, no, I don't <laughs> yeah, do that. Just kidding. I, I love it, though. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. remember that yeah. piece. So let's, so after that initial, they get accepted into the practice. So then I like to see them on a quarterly basis at least. One of those quarterly visits is their complete head-to-toe physical, lab work, uh, pap, smear, mammogram, whatever they need, PS, you know, whatever their age and um, uh, status requires in terms of health maintenance and prevention, talk about immunizations, and um, some people are more medically needy than others. I'll actually see them monthly until we get something right, you know, whether it's a, a diabetic issue, a blood pressure issue. And you see them as much as they need, no matter what? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then, um, and all of that is covered, and any uh, low-level tests that we can do in the office uh, are covered, like a urinalysis or a strep test or a flu test that's covered on the plan. Mm -hmm. So things that are not covered, if you're a silver patient, which I told you most of them are, things that are not covered are, are things that I need to send out, like mm -hmm. a lipid profile, checking the cholesterol, or PSA, or a pap smear, or a biopsy, you know, if I do a skin biopsy. Um, so those things get sent out, they're not covered by their silver plan, and they are covered by their insurance. Yep. So uh, everyone had, you know, some people may have many visits per year, 
hopefully the average person has four visits per year. Um, something always comes up during those visits like, gosh, why am I here today? This is your quarterly visit and med check and blood pressure check. Oh yeah, and I have a mole I'd like for you to check. Okay, so, you know, and then of course, the mole looks suspicious and we have them back for a biopsy. So there's always, you know, where I'm not sleeping well or. Yeah, I mean, health or is. Or I'm going to Africa and I need malaria pills or I've been depressed, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you typically, typically spend with a patient? Probably half an hour, sometimes 45 Sometimes 45 minutes. It depends on the nature of the visit. If it's a complete physical, it could be run an hour, depending on the nature of the beast, you know. Mm -hmm. But the average visit is probably, from start to finish, 30 minutes, you know, between checking in, Marcy taking their vital signs and reviewing their med list, and then our conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you... An exam. An exam, right. An exam. And real-time charting. So okay. it's great. I have electronic medical records. Yep, us too. And I can do that. Uh, I'm a great typist now, and I can do that St- at my standing desk, real time. Oh, good for you. Yep. Really, and if I can't, you know, if I get involved in the exam or whatever, then you know, I just finish up later because I have time to do that now. How much time do you? And more of a sidebar question: Do you think you spend just? talking to the patient kind of every day and then kind of organically you probably catch a lot of those things like oh by the way I have this mole or like oh by the way there's this huge stress in my life happens a lot give me a percentage you know I know that sounds crazy just a ballpark like okay half the people okay 75 I would say oh yeah at least half, at least the, half people. the people yeah. you know because I know so here's the great thing about being a family physician and being in my position where I've actually some of the patients followed me from my previous practice, so I've known, I have some patients that I've been taking care of for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm an old doctor now. So, so, you know, they'll walk in and I'll say, you're not right, what's, what's up yeah. with you? <gasps> you know, and that- <laughs> and there we go, floodgates <laughs> open. So, right, so, you know, it, it just, it's, um, it's very fun for me. I think it's, uh, feels better to the patient. I think that um, we do get to, we get beneath the surface. Yep. And Whereas I, in the old days, we barely had time to to address sort of the hardcore stuff. You know. Yeah, and, and that's what I think the, the biggest difference for me was, is exactly that. Where before, I felt like I was trying to get people unsick. Right. And now I'm actually getting people healthy. Right. Right, where you just, yeah, I can, I can decrease your symptoms. I can modify your symptoms right. quickly, but can I get you onto the path of creating true health and wellness? I can't do that in 15 minutes. Right. I can't do that in five minutes. And now, yeah, and you need to take that extra time because, <laughs> I mean, for so many reasons, because we are going to catch all the things that we would not catch otherwise. Oh, I think sure. that's super powerful. Sure. It's fair. It is. Yeah, it I mean, we, we see it a lot too. It's in our really practice. the honor. You know what I do? I have to, I, and sometimes I don't think about this, but sometimes I do re, remember, I, I think about the fact that it's really an honor and a privilege what I do. So I'm in a very, um, so I have a very intimate relationship with these folks for a long time. And then they trust me, and then they bring families and friends in. So it's really uh, very, feels like a family. 
and um, so I'm trying to keep the family, you know, from from the. I'm trying to keep the dysfunction down. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always going to be some dysfunction. Let's be honest. I'm trying to minimize yeah. the family dysfunction. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You're essentially, I mean, in a way, you're doing what you did as a naval officer, mm-hmm. just in a different way. Right. You know, you got your own submarine, so That's to speak. It. You know, and That's you're it. the chief medical officer, and it's just That's interesting. It. How that kind of all right, but I have to wear those bad shoes. <laughs> bad, four years of bad shoes, bad hair. Yeah. Maybe we should. Can you find one of those old navy pictures? That's what I'm going to post for the yes, podcast. No, oh. I don't post that. No, I was so young. Yeah. Oh, that's good. No, I, I mean, again, not to harp on it again, but I just think it's so important. Just, it's. I think it should be. Maybe I'm a you know, too much of a. Uh, optimist, but I just, yeah, I think that should be the standard of care, especially for a general practitioner like that, you know, a specialist, I kind of understand, like I do one thing, I do neurosurgery. Great. You're clinical. You're like, but to have somebody who's a general practitioner to be able to know a little bit of everything, the Swiss army knife, and then be able to get to the deeper roots. Like, I, I don't understand why that's not like, I, yeah, I just don't, I, you know, I, I wish it was more. Yeah, we, because we become sometimes, essentially, the physical therapist becomes it, which is interesting. Oh, absolutely, because you're like, they're, you're there on the table, you're rubbing them, and yeah. the next thing you know, they're pouring their heart Oh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> 100%. A lot of times, you know, pain can be from a, uh, a biological thing. Right. It's surprising when people see where the, where the psychological component is, is just happening quite a bit. And so, you know, and, and, and that's why it's so interesting for me to bring you on and just, you know, for us to be able to, you know, help each other for whatever. It's, it's, it's how I feel the medical model should be. And those people are the people that I want to see, you know? Right. Um, and it just well, and I don't makes know. sense. I'm, I'm betting that you had some great mental, I don't know what your life experience was as a young person if you had great mentors but I really did I had a fantastic family doctor who was you know really the the old timey guy and I so he was I just wanted to be like it and I went to his school and so this was a a great it was great for me and I it was a time when there weren't that many you know women were just starting to to med school mm-hmm. and um, yeah I feel fortunate yeah having good mentors I think I'm going to do it a long time I think I'm going to do this right. a long time and well it's like a gift is anybody like else saying gift. that like you know uh, I mean <laughs> like I've had really great tra- I've had great tra- I went to great schools I've had great mentors Wonderful training, um, but you know I'm I have a, a sort of a semi-stable patient population now for mm-hmm. a long time. A lovely office, fabulous staff. They're you know we're we are like family. And um, what what else would I do? Right. And I the, mean, and you're saying a lot of corporate yeah. now. I I just. You're saying this at a time where burnout is at an all-time high. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not burnout. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm uh, you know really I'm I 
I'm proud of what I've done and accomplished and what I continue to do and try to, and I lo- I'm still learning. It's so great to be able to learn. Yeah. And- That's a whole nother piece of the story that how can you keep up with all the new medical research, which changes every decade without having time to actually go to continue education and actually read the research and, and yeah, that's, man, there's just layers to that. People need to keep learning. You know, we need to use our brain. Yeah. We need to, mm-hmm. yeah. Where a lot of that has been taken out, mm-hmm. right? A computer can sometimes do exactly what happens, yes. um, which yes. is unfortunate, which is not how it's supposed to be. You're taking, you know. Right. The human right. side kind of taking out of it, which is. Right. You know, I think that's going to become more powerful as things get, because there's nothing, nothing we can do about it. Things are going to become more automated. Yes. You know, it's just going to go that way. Whoever thinks that's not going to happen, you're crazy. So people like us who really focus on the human side of I things. I become... always going to be a need for us. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm just telling myself. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really true. Especially yeah. in the medical field. We don't, I mean, well, until the day where you can just like regenerate, you know, a nerve or, you know what I mean? Like just go into a machine like in sci-fi movies and well, just... Well, people re- are always going to have pain and disability. They're always right. going to get sick and injured and yep. want to learn. You know, you empower them to... to My favorite word. To um, help themselves to learn how to do, you know, even the simplest of things. People don't understand or appreciate how much a little stretching can go a long yeah. way. Or a standing desk. Hello, right. So... Um, so, yeah, I mean, and people love that, to be able to do something for themselves and, and take control of things and not need a prescription or yep. go see an expensive doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the control piece is another yeah. thing that's huge. Like, we yeah. talk about a lot, take control of your health. Like, yeah. it's definitely, if in the medical system, typically, you don't have a ton of control. We hear that a lot, right? And so now... Right. It's up to you. Like, I'm here to guide you right. and give you information, but right. you're going to have to take that next step. Right. Um, one last question, and yes. we'll get to some more Spitfire yes. stuff because yes. um, we could ramble all day. I, I, <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what would you say is the biggest, and I'll be curious how you answer, but um, like difference maker to some of the patients that you see, you know, like, when I have somebody in and I, I remember the patients that I used to kind of see and the patients that I see now, yeah. you know, like, so I would think people listening to this are probably like wanting to take control of their health. And so mm-hmm. I always want to yeah. give a takeaway. So like, mm-hmm. what are those people doing? Like, why do you think these people are seeking us out or what's the, the biggest difference maker there? And we've hit on a lot of things mm-hmm. and we may yeah. just be reiterating some of them, yes. but um, I'm just curious what you're, you know, you're interacting with them daily. And so... What are some of those things that you think makes them, you know, want to take the next step towards becoming healthy and well, wellness as opposed to just taking a pill or, you know? So, uh, I think that they are, my patients who come to me are, um, not just very self-motivated and, um, desirous of more health and wellness and better balance and you know um, I think they trust me I think that's a huge thing don't you hear all the time about crappy physical therapists unfortunately they don't want to go to ever again because they left them to die on a machine or they hurt them 
I get that. They hurt. They hurt me. Don't make me go back. So I hear all the time about unsatisfactory physician-patient interactions, mm -hmm. and um, and I know you know, and I know why that happens. A lot of doctors are miserable. Yeah. And uh, busy, overworked, underpaid, undervalued, underappreciated, resentful, angry, um, burned out, as you touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So they they trust me. So you know, I try, I I um, try to, I try really hard to help them. Yeah, I I love that I. And it's I'm pretty direct. It's really, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely. The, the, so, and I yeah. need to say those hard things to them sometimes that their friends or their wife or husband can't say, right? Because the spouse can't be safe, for example. Yeah. The diet police, you know, or the exercise police. Or, you know, I can say those things. It's my job. Mm -hmm. So. As opposed to, I picture... What typically goes down in an appointment is they're just checking things off the list. Like, do you diet and exercise? And they'll just say yes. I'm like, boom. Right? That's the extent of that conversation. Where I'm she assuming, told me I was fat. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. How do you feel about your weight? Right. Well, okay then. Well, what would you like to do? You know, so. Yeah. Anyway. Words matter. That's another, man, right. so many rabbit holes. But words right. really, really matter. And right. how you say something. So I think we just worked really hard to promote, um. The relationship and the trust and the humility and so I think that that's how we we keep yep. going yeah yeah that's oh. why we keep coming back right perfect segue into my um my favorite question that I ask everybody who's on this Too podcast hard question yes this is hard very question. question so you picture a healthy person right a healthy human being right right and what is that person look like what are their actions how you know what's your description essentially of a of a healthy human healthy person yeah so that i think that the healthy human has achieved in a sort of an elusive balance between physical wellness and mental wellness that's tough right so i have many examples in my practice of very fit folks who may not be the most happy people. So that that's no good, mm -hmm. right? Or on the other hand, you have folks who seem very down to earth, uh, uh, well, you know, well adjusted and, and happy, and they can't get up off the floor without using their hands. Mm -hmm. Yep, my favorite, yep. <laughs> So, um, so it's tough. It's tough. It has to be. It has to. You know, good health means uh, a, a, a great balance between physical wellness and and you might have to take some pills, but you have some things under control. Mm -hmm. You know, your man, you're you're working on them. Yeah. As well as as being mentally stable, some degree of. Happiness. Yes. Yeah, it's very, hard. Very important. Yeah. Hard. You know, I definitely harp on the non-pharmaceutical way of the world, sure, but sure. at the same time, Western medicine is Better amazing. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, and as long as we're looking at all the degrees, it's just when it's fully reliant on pharmaceutical stuff, but we can align these things with a, tr you know, 
pronged approach of everything. And sure. I, I, that's what I love about what I think mm-hmm. the direct primary care movement is providing, you know, a lot well, of times. I don't want to disappoint you, Eva. I prescribe a lot of, um, a lot of medicine. Oh, but... no. Just shut down the podcast. <laughs> I'm actually not going to post this now. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's... Um... It's a, some people need a jump start. Yeah, they need that extra help, or their genet. You know, they have a thing. They have a predisposition. They have a genetic predisposition, or they can't. You know, I tell them this is not your fault. You came out of the womb with this predisposition, mm-hmm. and far, you know, everyone in your family had this. This is a, far be it from you to be like the exception. To, you may need a little something, something, right. yeah, whether it's a statin or a Prozac. You know what I mean? Yep. So. I love that you use the word predisposition, by the yes. way. Very instead also of what? Instead of you are genetically like this and you can do nothing about it. <laughs> Just because. No, because we have to work within that. We, I know what my genetic predispositions are. We need to, you know, work with what we got. Yeah. Well, people, we hear it a lot. People think, oh, this is how I was made genetically. This will never change no matter what I do. I'm like. Yeah, no, no, there's no. a lot of things you can do, mm-hmm. you know, pharmaceutical right. and otherwise. Mm-hmm. So right. um, I just want to say one more thing. It's because sure, it's sure. in my head and won't go away. Sure. I love that you said the word trust because I think that's something I've not thought of. It's the people that value relationships. Mm-hmm. Like A is the continuous learning thing. Is the other thing I was thinking about. They, they always want to learn. They're hungry for more. Mm-hmm. But they value mm-hmm. relationships because that's what's like the number one thing to be healthy and happy it's relationships yes right right why do right. they say no when, man is an island yes right. it seems to be it takes a village yeah you go yeah. to like the blue zones and like yeah. what's the number one thing is those relationships Absolutely. and like community, community is still right. number one another mm-hmm. underlying thread through everything mm-hmm. all right we're gonna go spit fire because we're running out of time Uh-oh. okay all right ready yes what are you best at start listening and Starting to make a good diagnosis. I like it. What do you struggle with? Or what golf, do you... Golf. I suck at golf. <laughs> what do you suck at? You took no the words golf. out of my... No golf for me. Oh, man. You should have come to our golf performance no, workshop yesterday. It's Next time. hard for uh, me. No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not a big golfer. It's only because four hours is a lot of time for lot. me. It's a lot right? of time. It's commitment. Yeah. Yeah. What is the number one thing the public should do to maintain their health and fitness? Walk. No, no. No, no I love it. it. Yeah, there is no wrong answer. It's like, walk, bam. You not even move, hesitate. Yeah. Move, yep. move their body. Yep. Right. Because he is a catalyst for so many things. Absolutely. Yep. And number two would be sleep. Good sleep. Good sleep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm tracking my sleep now on my watch. So far, I'm, I'm doing... You know what? That is so nerdy, but okay, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Yeah, we knew all about that next time. Uh, well, now it's just some fun ones. All those, those were just as fun. Uh, if you could pick a walkout song, what would it be? What does that mean, walkout So song? walkout song is you come out on stage and they announce you, oh, right? And you walk oh out gosh. on stage. What do you want to hear in the background? Oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Love it. September. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like, even hesitate. Yeah. That's amazing. I like Earth <laughs> What is your favorite cartoon? It could be cartoon for you as a kid. Maybe currently you watch cartoons. No judgment here. No cartoons. Yeah. Um, 
favorite cartoon. Okay. How embarrassing. <laughs> it's okay. I don't have a favorite cartoon. Peanuts? That's a cartoon, absolutely. I played Lucy yep. in our, you can imagine, in our, uh, in school. Yeah. In a school play. I, I love like it. Lucy. Yep. We, yeah. Every, uh, yeah. yeah. Every uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving. Yes, yep. That's, yep. That's this will be a good one. If mm. you weren't a healthcare professional, <laughs> what would you be oh. besides a professional golfer? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, I want to say a hairstylist. Okay. Because I'm into hair. And I don't know what that's all about, except that I'm into hair and have been known to give a little bedside uh, consultation about the hair. That's right. So let it be known, Dr. Polano <laughs> also does right. hair. Have you ever thought about it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Last book you read? Dear Hamilton. What's that about? Alexander Hamilton. Oh, okay. Yes. Like a biography, autobiography kind of thing? From the perspective of his wife. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Alright, last question. How can people find you if they want to reach out right. online phone number address you pick or right. so um Pulano family medicine uh, uh 843-971-9900 we're at uh www.pulanofamilymedicine.com we do have a facebook page easy Love it. We're easy. Yes. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. This was. Check us out. Yeah. Thank you so much. This it was, was fun. Yeah. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, where we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.